I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. All right, Sarah, what did you get up to last night? (laughs) That was not what we decided to open. Well, (laughs) I just want to draw a contrast because (laughs) I was hanging out, went to bed at like nine o'clock, you know, read a book, was very cozy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm guessing you had a similarly cozy evening. Yeah, I was. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last night I also went to bed. I was, I think I was asleep early last night, like nine 30, um, watched a little, I'm, I'm rewatching all of friends. Oh, like, really? Yeah. When I want the, I have, I typically will have like two or three different shows on the go for like different moods. And friends is like my light mood when I need like some levity, which actually is like very, very often. So it's in that has, has it aged well. It has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It sort of holds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can't say that I've watched it since. So I would be really interested in that. Well, I can't say I watched every episode then too, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely not. It's kind of fun to just like watch them all and see the cultural context too. And, Mm. you know, such a, I don't know. I feel like that show did have like a resurgence recently. And I see like 20 year olds wearing friends hoodies and I don't really understand why, but um, I'm immersing myself in it. Well, just, just wait till people get the Rachel. Um, do you Everybody remember? says getting the Rachel haircut. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So the reason I bring this up, mm-hmm. like our cozy evenings mm-hmm. last night, Alyssa, uh, mm-hmm. our, our friend and host of Iron Woman podcast mm-hmm. was out in the cold freezing rain running Berkeley marathon uh for the our listeners who's not who aren't familiar with this it's it's basically you have to watch the documentary on it Berkeley marathon it's crazy um just very short version only 15 people have finished this it's I thought it was 18 is it 18? Okay. I, do, I don't really know. Like I do not have a good source of information. Just someone said 18 in the vicinity of me. Okay. Week, so. I, th- yeah. I, well, somebody can fact check us. I thought okay. it was 15. Regardless, not many people have finished Between 15 it. and 18 people have finished it ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to run a hundred miles mm-hmm. in basically unmarked woods, tons of elevation gain, mud, craziness, t- epic conditions. Um, and it's five laps you have to do each lap within 12 hours and uh i know that Alyssa made it into lap two and not mm-hmm. everybody did so there there's really high attrition uh she made it into lap two the conditions kind of got to her but regardless i know this was a huge uh goal for her to get in mm-hmm. and i'm just so proud of her mm-hmm. i don't think any women have ever finished yeah, I don't think so. I think yeah. that's part of the yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's crazy. Like to, to imagine like creating a 
a challenge so monumental that like people just can't finish it. That's actually the challenge is like getting around the course in the 12 hours. Day yeah, I day. think I think only uh, nine people made mm-hmm. it on to lap three. Okay. And nine people, six people. I think it's only six people made it into lap three. We're not sure if our numbers this evening. One, <laughs> I know only one woman made it on. Uh, so one of the women who didn't move on after lap two was Courtney DeWalter, who's probably the most famous American ultra runner, mm-hmm. um, uh, female ultra runner. So Alyssa's in pretty darn good company. That's all yes. I know. That's, yes. that's the take home message is that we're super impressed. We're super impressed. I would rather be cozy at home, like going to bed at nine, but you know, more power to her. Mm-hmm. And we, I cannot wait to hear about it. So, okay, Alyssa, honestly, like I was out there for five days when she set the record on the Vermont Long Trail, right? And yeah, um, I she has a very special like. This is not just anyone going out there. Like if if Alyssa can't finish it, like you're in the upper echelons of like who could mentally handle it you know um sorry if people can hear my daughter gaming in the background um that's just the usual I guess right now um but like yeah she is really impressive in terms of her ability to keep going like especially when the conditions that are off like when you're cold it's the middle of the night with lack of sleep um I've just never seen anyone I've never known anyone extremely well with that like next level of mental fortitude just to like keep going and after um and after the long trail so when she she finished in the morning um and then it's a really mean it's a really mean trail because like when you end the long trail you're actually like you're still in the woods because like the trail ends and another one begins you're not at a road you have to like it's like it was like two or three miles to get out of the woods which is just like it was hard for me <laughs> you know like I did the, the night that she finished I did I I don't know if, if you remember I did like a marathon in the woods in the middle of the night you know and I was so proud of myself like and I had literally done like one I don't know even like one tenth whatever of like the distance that she did and I was like hmm, I, I'm amazing I did a marathon in the middle of the night in the woods um but uh yeah I I've just never seen anything like her ability to endure so yeah power to her so proud of her so I yeah definitely can't wait to hear about it but uh this is going to be a sharp transition right here (laughs) here we go I hear you have a cat update oh I'm getting the cat okay okay I know. Let's use the cat update as a cliffhanger to keep people listening after we play the, after we play the ads. I'm sure no one's going to, no one's going to leave with this cliffhanger. (laughs) Okay. So Sarah, I do have cat news. Um, Okay. This is, there was actually movement in the cat situation because I know that like some of our listeners messaged me and said like, maybe you shouldn't be feeding a neighbor's cat, like whatever. And then we had Catherine's dog who came and I thought he's going to scare away the cat and we coax the cat back. Anyway, there was like another massive escalation. So I asked one of my neighbors whose cat it might be. And it turns out it's like my immediate, like they're literally attached to the townhouse next door. I just have never met them. Like I'm in a, I'm in a series of nine units of townhouses and there's two families that I don't know. The, the rest of them I know like fairly well. And so, um, 
this family right next door have two great, great cats. Anyway, my other neighbors who are like them beside them told me that like, they're basically, they're kind of feral. Like they sometimes don't even come in at night and that like, they go into like many people's homes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so you were feeling special, but you're not special. I one, I'm not special. Oh. Two, it's like totally fine to be feeding them, you know. Um, and I feel that maybe like the situation has escalated beyond like. So this afternoon, I picked up Rosie from school, and I, I, I went back to the office. And when I came home, Rosie was like, "Mommy, <laughs> I let the cats in, and they hid under the bed, and I couldn't get them out." <laughs> Because now there's two, right? The other one came in. Too. I couldn't get them out. And they were like looking at me with their mean cat eyes. And, like, and she was like, I was kind of scared. And I heard a thud up there. I'm like, oh my God, this is just like, now like a cat's going to like claw her eyes out while I'm away. Like, <laughs> uh, not anyway. what you anticipated. Yes. But at least now I can rest easy that I'm totally fine to have a few treats to the neighbor cat that like it's totally fine that the cat's in my home from time to time and like I feel a lot more comfortable with it so that yeah, they're, they're monster cats that you don't actually <laughs> want in your home <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like be careful who you're friends with kind of situation so yeah we'll see we'll see um okay we also had more feedback I think we're going into week four of talking about the couples triathlon um what is it called again? Like, I don't even, I just think of it as a couple's, couples championship, the couples championship. Okay. Um, and we had, we did have a couple of people reach out and tell us that, um, the guy who puts it on, mm-hmm. um, is like extremely supportive of the LGBTQ community and has a family member in the community and, um, and did try to, I mean, like Steph said, like did try to, uh, reach out to some same-sex couples and um, had to find some people to participate in that way. So um, yeah, that was the kind of the feedback we got. Um, and I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah. I think that was not a big part of our criticism of the event. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're all for novelty. I think the idea of partners triathlon, like, I could be really fun. I'm not anti-invitational. So I think at the end of the day, if somebody wants to put on a race, they can invite whomever they want. Mm-hmm. Like I am not against invitational races. Mm-hmm. It's just, if the premise is cheesy, I'm going to call it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that I agree too. Like, I think it's like, it's okay for us to have an opinion about it. Like, I'm not trying to like, you know, like I'm not trying to like take it down or whatever. Like people can do what they want. It's, yeah. it's totally fine. If people no. find it fun, whatever, like great. You know, I can see how it could be good for our sport. I I, I think highlighting couples in triathlon, pro couples in triathlon is uh, like there are plenty of uh, athlete couples with whom that resonates. So mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, my, my partner and I, we also do triathlons together. That's cool to see these pros doing it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a, you end up with very few people who can actually participate. So I just don't think it's that interesting. Like right. I think when it comes down to it, pro triathlete couples racing each other, I don't know. It, in the end, 
it actually ended up being a decent race from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaron Royal, non-Stanford one, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they had a nice battle going on with Matt Sharp and, uh, Kirsten Casper. So like, yeah, it was, it was a pretty decent race. I guess the coverage was not ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're talking about a very, very tiny pool. And I just have a hard time believing that this is, um, you know, I, yeah, worthwhile to yeah. invest a lot of attention. Maybe we should do a different. Okay. Here's something I would. Okay. So okay. I would put to our audience. All right. Okay. If you had a million dollars and you were only going to spend it on triathlon, mm. like if you were investing it in triathlon, mm. what would you do? Yeah. No, I think that's a great question. I don't have an answer. You put me on the spot. Um, cause that's, that's clearly what this individual's, you know, the, the, the financier behind this has been like, okay, this is where I want to put my money. This is what makes me excited. Mm. I like these athletes. I want to highlight them. Um, and you know, more power to him for that, that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. It's not where I would put my money. So let me think about it. I'll yeah. Let's come. Week. Okay. So maybe our audience could chime in too, because yeah. we're, we're probably going to talk about this next week again. <laughs> no doubt. Well, no, I think, I think it's a really good discussion that extends beyond for sure. This like one race. Yeah. And like what? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's just okay. that this race is at having us ask the question. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna come back to it too next week. We're gonna be like, what would we what would we invest our million dollars in? in yeah. Because okay. everybody has different motivating factors, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, for for this person, he has different motivating factors than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to each their own. All right. Totally. Let's move on from this couple. Let's move things. on. Okay, you brought this this next topic up, which oh, yeah. I think is great. Like essentially, like, is feminism a dirty word? Like we had we had International Women's Day this week I'm like this where am I what what day is it yeah this week um and I don't know I actually like I'm very keen to hear your your answer to this because like I'm actually never sure like if I'm on a podcast or if I say like oh we like apply a feminist lens or we like I take a feminist perspective on this and that like I'm not even sure where like in pop culture the word feminism lands like I know it was like Mm good and then it was not good and then it was like you know like and then it was good again like I don't know (laughs) yeah well I I'm I'm interested whether our our experiences kind of line up um so I guess I it kind of like we both kind of came of age with the third wave feminism like the riot girl feminism Mm -hmm. um where it was you know, F the patriarchy, like let's, let's, you know, redefine what it means to be a woman, Mm -hmm. um, on our own terms. And I don't know, like growing up, it was a very, oh, if you call yourself a feminist, that means you hate men. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, that was really interesting. Cause I, I did consider myself, even, you know, fairly young, I considered myself a feminist, but I didn't hate men. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I wasn't anti anybody. It was just, Hey, there's some things that 
feel kind of problematic. Um, and it's been really interesting just kind of how I see feminism, how I see myself as a feminist, um, and just trying to constantly challenge like my beliefs of what it means. Mm. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like I, I, I keep on having these moments where is it, for example, um, like when I decided to change my name, my last mm-hmm. name, mm-hmm. my, my sister who is a bit more of, um, you know, I guess third wave feminist, uh, she's like, Oh, that's why, why on earth would you change your name? Like you're taking on a man's name. Like, but when I think about it, it, my last name before was my dad's name. So <laughs> Oh yeah. Good point. But you know, it's just, it made me feel very anti-feminist, um, you know, to be deciding to change my name, but then Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in this era where it's more about supporting people's individual choices, um, Mm -hmm. and that there's room for everybody. Uh, like whatever decision you want to make being your authentic self without, feeling any sort of constraints about, uh, about, you know, gender roles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what your, your journey has been. Um, basically that's kind of where I've come up. That's what feminism means to me is, are we creating, um, social support for, for women, um, you know, to, carve out whatever path feels right for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so for me, like the definition of feminism for me is like, if you think that women are, are equal, like are equal in their humanity to men, then you're a feminist. Yeah. Um, And I think, um, yeah. And I, I also think that like feminism, exactly to what you said, like, it's not about like creating less choices, like women shouldn't take men's names or whatever, but like Mm -hmm. actually creating all the choices for women or creating it an environment where we can have full access to all the freedoms and choices that men have. Um, another thing that's interesting about the, like the whole language. Cause I think a lot of like, a lot of the people who, you know, who would have been, Oh, I'm not, I'm not like a bra burning feminist. Mm, right. Said that to me. I'm like, what? Yeah. A bra burning fe- like who? Like, <laughs> or a man hating feminist. I a mean, man hating well- feminist. Right. Yeah. Like, is that like the, like the, uh, this is a very low blow counterpoint, but like when a social movement, this is very typical when a social movement starts to gain power, like a very easy way to try to derail it is for like, to make a counterpoint to like point on language. Right. So like, if you can say, if it's a feminist movement that's taking, that's rising up, right. If you can say, Oh, they're man hating, or if you can get people to like turn on the language point, Mm. then like that's one way to kind of like derail that or pull it back right it's sort of like um like black lives matter movement right it's like oh well you're saying that you're saying only black lives matter well all lives matter (laughs) you know like you're like pernickety on the language instead of like on actually what the movement's about and whether you agree or disagree so i think that like a lot of the people who would say i'm not a man-hating feminist or i'm not um or I'm not a bra burning feminist actually like would agree with the tenets of feminism. Oh yeah. Like, or feminisms, because it's like, 
there's such, there's a plurality of ways that people feel that like we should engage in creating equality for women. Right. Um, and so it's not even, there's not even one kind of like feminist methodology or way there's methodologies. Um, so it's like, it's so typical. So it's, it's not a surprise to me like that, that like feminism takes that, like takes that hit, that like language hit of like, oh, well don't associate with that word. Like, it's okay if you believe in all the things that that word means, but like, don't associate with that word. And then it kind of like breaks up the power of a movement until, you know, until it takes shape again. Um, so. Yeah, well, it, it, it is interesting because if, if you sat down with most people mm-hmm. and are like, do you believe that everybody should be paid the same for the same work? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself a feminist? Oh no. Oh no. Right. <laughs> like it's, it is really funny how people, uh, you know, do just glom onto language and, and don't want to categorize themselves, even though the fundamentals, something they, they do agree with. No, I, I am really interested. Um, so this is something that I struggle with is, you know, right now we are in this, this era where, uh, in a, mostly I I think younger women are very much like, this is me. Like the, you know, the hyper, like hyper femme is feminist, uh, you know, or whatever, whatever path you want to take. Um, but without acknowledging that some of that, is it actually your authentic self when we are just bombarded with these messages that kind of shape it. So like, I am so for if somebody, cause right now, like there's the, there's the hyper femme feminist kind of p- part of this, this era, which like, I'm, if that's what you want to do, I'm all for it. But how do you know if that is your free will? Or you being steered in a certain direction because of all the messaging you're getting. I think that's that's what I'm having a hard time with. And are you do unless we understand what we are accepting or rejecting, can we actually say we are accepting or rejecting gender stereotype? Does that make sense? That is not a very coherent. Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly there. I do want to ask okay. you one yeah, follow-up yeah, yeah. question to make yeah. sure. What, what do you mean by hyperfem? Uh, so like, okay, if if I want to, uh, like Instagram feminism, um, mm-hmm. where like, if I want to wear all pink and I want to like be hypersexual and, uh, you know, like, okay. that's not, like, I am totally all for that. Mm -hmm. Um, if that is genuinely like an organic path you want to take, but it's so hard to know whether, what kind of cultural forces Mm -hmm. might be at play. Right. So you're talking about like the ultimate, like one time Kelly and I, in the first season of if we were riding had this Mm -hmm. like debate that went on for a couple many episodes of people called in. It was, it's a bit like the couple's triathlon, but it was about Mm -hmm essentially I think what you're saying and she accused me of being like a um 
like a early, like a, like a dated feminist, you know? Um, but like the difference is like how, you know, if you are, um, if you've like internalized your own oppression, like, yeah, basically right. like, so if you like, so, so for example, if you, if you're expressing sexuality by putting, um, naked pictures of yourself on the internet and you consider that empowering, right? Like, right. Then, and then like, there would be another, that would be like one take. And then there would be like another group of people who might say, oh, well, you've internalized your oppression. And that the idea that like your body is for the pleasure of other people or for men in this like heteronormative culture. And like, how do you know where your internalized oppression stops and like your own free will starts? Oh, you are putting it so much better than I can. Okay, that's what. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. You, thank you for translating from Sarah Jibber Jabber to actual (laughs) English. I said to make sure we were on the same page. I, I like, okay. I think first of all, like, like we can't know. Yeah. Right. And that like, actually the piece that like, I'm sort of maybe more on the side of like what you called the hyper femme side, like um, I've, I've kind of like evolved there. So I think like 20 something me would have been like, no, that's internalized oppression, whatever. But like, you can't like the whole idea is that like, you can't tell women what's like, what is oppressive or not for them. And everybody can make their own decisions and choices. Right. Do you have to, but, but do you went through a process of knowing you, you were rejecting or accepting, right? I would assume. Yeah. Cause you, 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 you mindfully were looking at different aspects that shape gender norms yeah, and came to a conclusion that works for you. Well, it's, you know, it's like anything. Some people are going to mm. be more aware than others. Yeah. Self-aware, yeah, aware that's of how fair. culture affects yeah. them, aware yeah. of layered, you know, and like, I like to think I have a high level of awareness. Maybe someone else looks at me and says, you do not like, you know, um, but I think, cause even for me, like I, I'm like very mindful of like how I put pictures on, on Instagram, which is mostly like now, like one way or another, like we've talked about this before. Like, do I, like, am I going to post pictures of myself in like sexual come get me poses like on Instagram? No, like that's me. Right. But like, am I going to not post something because I happen to be wearing a bra top or a bikini or something that someone else might decide is sexual for them? Yeah. Like, right. No, like I'm going to post, like if I'm wearing that and that's the picture and that's what I want to post then like, but that's actually like harder. That sounds like a really clear line, but it's actually harder than you think because you do get, as you probably had no too, like you get positive feedback. Mm. Like when, like I have, I have, a, there's a picture. I remember it. It was like a year and a half ago or so. Ellen took a picture of me and I was wearing like a ball cap and a bikini top and we had gone for a walk it was a really hot day and she'd taken this picture of me and um and I wanted to post it right and then like I got so many likes like hmm. it was like like a picture like this picture got more likes than like any picture I'd ever posted before and it was like I'm like I know it because I'm like wearing bikini and my abs look okay like <laughs> but like I just like I'm like oh like I can see where that you can also get into that positive feedback loop around that stuff too um yeah I I feel like it's a bit of a quagmire honestly like 
Yeah, it it is it is interesting though because that so this is something that I've been struggling with, uh, you know, being being a mother, which is you know very there's a lot of like gender baggage attached mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Like I really I am the primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that I really enjoy about being a mom, and trying to tease apart what is actually. Uh, expectations that are placed upon me and what is genuinely like I I enjoy mm-hmm. being around him yeah. um so it's it, it's been really interesting t- to me because you know that I I have people who are close to my life who would consider themselves uh you know like definitely feminists that on one side it's like you know, you do you, if you want to be a maternal figure, like if you want to be primary caregiver, that is equally valid to somebody who's like, no, it needs, it has to be 50, 50. Cause that is, or, you know, like skewed the other direction because that's the only way mm-hmm. that like you can be a real feminist. Um, and I'm, I just, I think I have landed upon the side of like, understand the cultural forces at play um, to the best of your ability and just decide what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And what's right for me is, yeah, you know, I, I probably, am, um, you know, a, there are some things that would be considered like more, uh, stereotypical, like, you know, female role. Um, but it makes me happy. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the mistakes of the first wave of feminism was, and the second wave really, was to like, because the, our cultural narrative on average, um, what would you say, values more highly things that are coded male or masculine than things mm. that are coded female or feminine, right? right? So like, that's what pa- the patriarchy is really in a way. And so it's like that that way of like, okay, it, the first story I'm not I'm like stumbling around the, <laughs> that first and second wave like kind of took that in and then proceeded to go okay but we're going to succeed like by that definition right right so it's we ha- like we have to embody kind of typically male you know uh characteristics yeah like succeed. going out and work and this is the like the, it's, but it's like essentially we've internalized the like we internalize the like the idea like those ideas so what we need to do is actually like rethink how that is like how that patriarchy has been created and the messaging that's coming to us in the first place and like why would we undervalue motherhood like why is motherhood not put on an absolute pedestal right and like valued and why is it not like why can it not be a paid position you know yeah um yeah. that kind of thing interesting well i I'm glad that because you're so much better versed in these things, like I'm really glad I brought it up. <laughs> Even when I, I feel like I'm like, why did I have that glass of wine? <laughs> hey, you listen, this much better. <laughs> after a bottle of wine, you still would be putting it much better than I can. It's just, you know, these, these have been things that we're, we, I've been thinking about, like, how do I, how do I define feminism for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and like clearly we both think it's it's relevant mm-hmm. um you know i think it's i am not afraid to call myself a feminist 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of, and this is like totally dated information, but when I studied, like when I studied women's, some women's studies courses in the nineties, like in, in Holland, then again, this is not an updated information about Holland, but in the Netherlands, um, like motherhood is like a paid position. Like the government will pay. And, and like, when you think about and, and paid well, it's not like paid, like, like you're on un- unemployment. It's like paid. And when I think about like the kind of safety net that provides for someone who like is making a decision, like maybe you've been raped and you're trying to decide whether to keep the child. Maybe the dad fucks off and you don't have very many financial freedoms. Like maybe, you know, any, any woman who's left in like a vulnerable position, taking care of a child on her own is taken care of. Right. And like why that should be part of our social construct. Well, yeah, it's, it's about, providing more options to people mm-hmm. um and that's one way you provide don't penalize women for being mothers mm-hmm. um just give them an option to like elevate more people to allow them to succeed yeah because yeah. because we do we do penalize mothers now yeah like right. that's actually how our system works like we don't allow for like Matt leaves, people end up being less paid. They take a hit to their career. You're, you become dependent because you can't get Matt leave pay. Like you become, if you had a difficult pregnancy and you have to leave your job, like you become dependent on your partner. Um, it's, it's not a good system. No. no. Uh, well, we're not going to solve it. Shoot. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> but maybe one of our listeners can and can send us a voice memo. Ooh, I like I'll that. send on to world leaders <laughs> after that. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take our a little break and then I forget what we're gonna talk about, but we'll we'll know by the time we get back. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts. So you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. 
It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 2.30 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, Iron Women 1515 at orca.com. Okay, so Sarah forgot what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but it's about women supporting women. Um yeah. so we we've we've gotten some nice uh updates from Jordan Blanco uh about just how refreshing it's been to see in the media, both in the summer and, and winter games, uh, women, female athletes publicly supporting other female athletes. Um, so when Simone Biles this summer uh, decided not to compete, the the number of of athletes, female athletes who were just very vocal in their support, and then when Michaela Schifrin struggled a bit. Uh, it was, it was just really great to see other women speaking out saying, Hey, you know, we've got you, we love what you do. Um, we have your back Mm -hmm. and it definitely runs counter to the narrative that we so often get about women can't support each other, that we're, we're just too competitive that, you know, we're, we're in it for ourselves. Um, 
I just, I don't know. Like I definitely got that message from some coaches, from some male mm-hmm. coaches yeah. where, Same. oh, I, I can't, you know, the, the men can train together in this group, but the women have to be really careful about having them do the same sessions because women just have a hard time training together, <laughs> which is so weird to me. Um, that I, I repeatedly got that message where, oh, it's, it's a, like a case by case basis. Maybe you two can do the session together, but as a group, I, the dynamics, I mean, it's too much drama. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. No, totally. I get, I had that same messaging and like, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like of course with like, with humans, right. In general, there's always like, there's always some humans who work better in a group than other humans, but I'm not really sure that that is gendered. No, I've seen just as much drama between male athletes as I have between. Oh, so it has more drama. Just different. It depends on the individual. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, the other thing I've seen drama, this is a bit of a different topic, but like, you know, I think there was always this sense that like, you know, we do, um, do you ever do like body fat things with calipers? Yeah. Where they take your body fat percentage. And when it was like body fat percentage day, mm-hmm. there was this like expectation that somehow like the women were going to be like freaked out about body fat percentage day, which like, I just like really couldn't care less about, you know? Right. But we used to always laugh because some of the guys would be like freaking bananas about like the caliper reading. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, guys, like don't take on an eating disorder yet. Like just like, like it that, was equally as bad for them as for us or good for them as for us. Like it was more a personality trait of like how you took that feedback than it was gender. Oh, that's, that's a whole nother conversation. I, in endurance sport, I think I've met as many men with eating disorders as mm. I have women. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can save that for another day. Let's go back to women supporting women. Oh yeah. Sorry. I, de- I derailed. Yeah. <laughs> So when I obviously outside of what you do professionally, um, how do you think you try to support other women? I'm curious. Outside of what I do professionally, I don't do anything else. (laughs) No, I. (laughs) Okay. Within, within your profession then. I mean, but that's your business model is supporting women. That's, so that's, business that's model. too easy. That's too easy. Literally my business model. Um, yeah. When I think about it, I like, okay, maybe if I'm at cross at CrossFit, mm. you know, or, or in my friendships, like, it's hard to think of a specific example, but um, like our, the CrossFit gym that I go to is like very, there's way more women there than men. And, and again, same thing. It's like so supportive. Like I love just, that so intensely supportive. Um, and in CrossFit, you have people of all different abilities doing like essentially the same thing at the same time, but like scaled one way or another. And it's just like, you know, someone can be, we don't have any world champions, but someone can be like a world beater and someone else, like some, you know, 70 year old is just like trying to get it done. And we all clap for that person or whatever. So I think. Do you think that's, is that the, how much of an influence does the, the CrossFit gym owner have and how much is just the patrons? Like, how do you create that kind of culture in the gym? Yeah. I tend to think that the gym owner has a lot of, a lot to do with the culture. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And the individual people there too. Cause like, we still do the thing of like the scores go on. I actually really like this about CrossFit, like, because you can still be competitive if you want, like the scores go on the board, right? Like, you know, who did the workout RX, which is like the standardized, you know, workout level, you know, who didn't, you know, what time they got. Right. Which to me makes it interesting. Cause I can come in and I can be like, Ooh, my friend so-and-so did this this morning and I'm going to try to beat her or whatever. Like, it's very, like, it gives you a bit, a bit of a bar to like work towards. Um, but at the same time, it's also like extremely supportive. Like hmm. it's hard to, like, I think that that, um, that whole idea of like giving a medal to everyone and just participating and like taking away that competition piece is actually like completely the wrong. A lot of people agree with this. I think like, it's just like completely the wrong thing. Um, but actually that you can create like you, because I think we're all willing to accept, like, like I now go to CrossFit maybe three times a week. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to accept that like many, many people there like beat me quote unquote, like at the workout. This is yeah, not a problem. There's healthy like, competition. And there's that motivates mm-hmm. and then there's, you know, unhealthy competition. Yeah. I just, I find that there's very, very little unhealthy competition in the environment of me. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. I want to go to your gym. Mm-hmm. Although I've never done CrossFit. I have no idea. If you come visit me, we can go to, we can go to the gym. I'll, uh, okay. Yeah. You know how to handle extra athletes who, can't lift things very well, but we'll, we'll cream everyone on the cardio. <laughs> I'm, I'm so uncoordinated. I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> uh, well, I, you know what? I would love to hear from our listeners about, um, supporting women. Cause that's kind of the theme theme of this week mm-hmm. and how you define feminism mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite curious. I'd love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another week of If We Were Writing. We support everyone, not just <laughs> women, by the way, even though we are two ladies talking to one another. Uh, and we will be back in with you next week. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.